0: All throughout nursing school, and then as an ICU nurse, and then now as I'm in grad school, I'm always hearing about professional growth opportunities, professional development. And upon reflection, I realized that in nursing school, I really didn't understand what people meant by talking about professional development as a nurse. And I would love to hear, Chrissy, what your input is kind of on the other end of this, after grad school and now pouring into SRNAs, nurses. I'd love to hear kind of like, what do people mean when they're talking about professional development? development and growth opportunities within the career. What do you think about all of this? I
1: don't think I- Really understood professional development truly until I was a CRNA and even now I feel like I'm looking back at my career and realizing so many missed opportunities that I want you guys to be aware of. You know, on one hand, I think professional development is sometimes used to kind of take advantage of nurses for like getting them to do all these projects at work that doesn't necessarily always translate into outcome changes or is like free labor and that kind of stinks. But on the other hand, professional development is an all encompassing term that involves a lot of different things and will really benefit you in your career. So before we dive into it, my name is Chrissy. I'm a CRNA. I've been a nurse anesthetist for six years now. Before that, I was a CVICU nurse. I also precept and was a former clinical coordinator. So I've been seeing a lot of this. And together with Anna, we form Confident Care Academy. Anna, do you want to
0: introduce yourself? Yeah, I am now a second year RRNA. I am about to start clinical in CRNA school. I was a travel nurse for two years. And then before that, I I was a staff nurse in the CVICU. And together we started Confident Care Academy, which is a comprehensive online resource for nurses every step of the way from the ICU to anesthesia school. And we have a podcast. That's what you're listening to today. We also have a paid membership where we upload monthly lectures for pathophysiology and pharmacology, where we do live case studies. We have a discussion board, a whole really community wraparound support for people who are in the critical care space. And I think when I was was in the critical care space as an ICU nurse, I really didn't understand the role of professional development and what that would mean for me throughout the course of my career. So I'd love to give it back over to you, Chrissy. Like what, what is even meant by professionalism? It's such a broad term. So professional development is
1: something that I feel like as a nurse was encouraged, but not expected. Like, yeah, you should get involved in the unit, but like you don't have to. Or like, and in the CRNA world, we treat it kind of the opposite, right? It's like kind of expected that you participate in the communities of CRNA and know what's going on as far as like legislation is concerned and policies that affect our patients. For example, with like the opioid crisis is like a great example and that we're active in these decisions from day one. So, you know, before we dive into like these professional development aspects and opportunities and what it means to develop yourself as a professional, I do want to dive into like the term professionalism because I think professionalism is part of that journey to developing yourself as a professional and Professionalism is a tough term because I think it it gets weaponized really often. So I'm going to read off a definition for y'all here and we're going to talk about it a little bit. So professionalism involves consistently achieving high standards, both visibly and behind the scenes. Some sectors, workplaces, or roles have particular rules for professionalism. These may be explicit, such as an agreed dress code or a policy for using social media, for example. Other rules and expectations may not be written down, but they can be just as important, such as what is regarded as professional behavior at meetings or even how people personalize their desks. It pays to be observant. So this is, these are all from um, a website that I'm going to cite below, by the way. I really love how they describe this. It pays to be observant and to ask for clarification of necessary, like kind of being part of the community is a big part of professionalism. It's a way to show respect, attention to detail and a commitment to upholding the agreed practices and values of the profession, but it's a double-edged sword. Some rules are necessary, but some are simply just traditional and some of them can even be harmful especially when we apply rules that are kind of nonsense or traditional to groups that don't look like us or new groups entering a profession for example like how you know hierarchy and really old school patriarchal norms have been applied to nursing historically we'll talk about that in a little bit and a big part of becoming a professional is knowing like which aspects of the professional behavior to uphold and which ones that we should push against and we should reject and that's like a really important maturity piece to navigate as you develop yourself as a professional so again what does professionalism even mean let's talk about like the eight aspects of professionalism so you know competence getting the job done well i think that's the biggest challenge as a new grad in any environment becoming competent is like your biggest like key thing to conquer knowledge so we need to stay up to date on the latest research and things that are happening in our profession that's why we have continuing education requirements in medicine it's why we should be going to conferences it's why we should read when you have the opportunity you should look things up about your patients for example conscientiousness so being reliable setting your own high standards integrity respect when we uphold other people's rights and we take other people's needs into account that's when we're truly showing respect for other people appropriateness knowing what's appropriate in different situations so like not talking about patients in elevators or not making jokes about patients on social media like to me that is a professionalism. Peace and confidence, which is a delicate balance, right? Like there is a little bit of like that just kind of comes with time. And we don't want to um, have hubris or have too much ego that gets in the way of safe patient care. But we also don't want to be too hard on ourselves either. We want to kind of, you know, have a, a healthy attitude towards how we approach the clinical space. And all of these eight factors are like kind of what encompasses professionalism. For me, I think about in nursing how nurses historically have had to not only like wear white dresses to work which are like so impractical right like think about the movement of a patient throughout the day like pushing stretchers like turning patients the bodily fluids against the white material like that's so crazy to me the pants as, and scrubs did not become standard of nurse in nursing until the 90s like they started appearing when male nurses started to enter the workforce more like in the 80s but they didn't become the standard dress code for nurses until the 90s nationwide that is so
0: incredibly recent like can you believe that nurses were wearing dresses until then that's wild wild to me wearing a dress while running like ambulating three patients in a shift and a white dress for all of like blood transfusions all of the bodily fluids that you deal with that's absolutely wild to think about that in the nine. like it was the 90s that that change like happened. you weren't alive then. <laughs> I was, I was alive. I was like, you know, I, I had my VHS. I had my CD-ROM at that point. I was a 90s kid and people were still wearing dresses at the time and hats. That's crazy. So it's hard for me to hear professionalism without having a bit of a negative connotation. What do you have to say? I think that this these eight tenets that you outlined, I think defining what is meant by professionalism is helpful because I think professionalism is so often something that's kind of used to either like you said earlier in the episode kind of extract like free labor from people or hold people to standards that are rooted in systems that are not serving people as we move forward but the definition itself it seems like it does hold room for like empowerment and moving the profession forward and I guess what are what are your thoughts on that for let's say like an ICU nurse who you hear professionalism and then what they're meaning by that is like oh you know I can't wear like I, I can't wear like cute scrubs yes, or you know yes. things, things like that because professional you you know what i mean totally no i think the same thing like i think
1: it's really weaponized um especially traditionally against marginalized groups not only women but also people of color think about like even in corporate offices how like sometimes like black women still get their hairstyles policed like in these like corporate spaces which i think is insane so like professionalism has definitely been used to uphold like white male, like traditional standards that like just don't apply to the rest of the world. And it's ridiculous. And those are things that should be pushed against, right? And like, we should help people push against them. But, or even like, you know, uh, treating healthcare as a team instead of a hierarchy. Nurses used to stand when doctors came into the room and the team-based model of healthcare wasn't even popping up into the literature until the 2000s and didn't get more popularized until like the 2010s. Like, I mean, that's like just now. So you think about like this like toxic culture in healthcare and realize that a lot of people who work in the hospital working there through the decades where nurses were wearing dresses, nurses were standing when doctors came into the room. Surgeons used to have the ability to throw tools in the OR verbally abuse people, physically abuse people. I worked with a surgeon in the past at a facility that will not be named. The surgeon will not be named. But back in the 90s, this particular surgeon kicked a nurse in the shin so hard he shattered her tibia. And, you know, back decades later, he was still working. Like, could you imagine? So professionalism is such a t- like what like that man should be like he should have been in jail like not like what or like sued lost his job lost his license like so, like can you imagine so professionalism is definitely a two-edged sword it definitely is not always applied to everyone equally think about med bikini when like there was that paper published by the Vat in the journal of vascular surgery and these like male surgeons got together and were like women doctors shouldn't wear bikinis on social media like what like you can still be a, a brilliant physician and also show up in a baby suit and like they weren't talking about the men so you know professionals definitely can be weaponized and misused however when we look at the true definition of professionals and the true tenets of professionalism and we do a really good self-reflection of ourselves we can use it as a way to hold ourselves accountable to a higher standard right we do want to have respect for every member of the health team we do want to have respect for our patients and our communities we do want to push ourselves to do the right thing um even when no one's watching so you know like have you ever had an old school preceptor like teach you about a nurse dose when like you know what's ordered is like 0.2 of dilated, and they give 0.4, and then they document that they gave 0.2. Like, well, that's a problem when people do things like that, right? Because number one, it's not necessarily safe. But number two, even if you do know what you're doing, even if it is quote unquote, it it is like safe, we're not going to hurt anyone, you're just kicking the can down the line for the next nurse. Like, now the entire team thinks that what's been ordered is the appropriate level of pain control for this patient. And instead of the orders being corrected and the right parameters being set for the next nurse, who like maybe is a new grad and I was going to struggle to undertreat their pain all night when the night shift team, like when there's like no one around for night shifts and they can't get in touch with the doctor because three people are coding. Now that patient's going to sit in pain all night because nurse number one kind of like took the shortcut and didn't advocate. So like, that's why it's important. Yeah, that's why we should hold ourselves to these higher standards, right? Like always doing the right thing. There's implications for the patient,
0: for the next shift, for everyone. Two things that you said stood out to me. And the first was that you kept saying and it kept circling back to, respect. And that's been something that's been wild for me to experience now as a grad student who is now taking part in the professional development and the career advancement kind of arena. I feel respected showing up as a learner and as a student to these conferences. And that's something that I think that we can give to each other. I think we can give respect to our coworkers. And I think that does speak to professionalism, to treat you know learners with respect, to treat new grads with respect. And that's something that I think we can make a lot of progress in. And then the other was that nurses are very trusted by the general public. I think we were the most trusted, something like you know, five, 10 years in a row. And I guess, what do we do with that trust? then how can we, you know, make the career an even better place for people, for a safer place for patients, a safer place for people who are working in the field. So I think there are takeaways that are valuable and that are worth fighting for and advancing their profession. I think I still hear professionalism and cringe a little bit because of a lot of the connotations that come with it. But I don't know about you, Chrissy, but I like love being trusted by my patients. And I feel like so honored to be like worthy of that trust. And it also makes me feel like all warm and fuzzy inside for somebody who is much my senior, you know, 20 years they've been a CRNA to make direct eye contact and ask my name. Wow. Crazy. Like, Well, that just goes to little things like Uh, that, you know. It just goes to show how, like, poorly nurses
1: are treated. Like, the fact that, like, that should shock you at all. And it just shows how, like, we really have not cured Mm. that hierarchy structure in healthcare, right? Like, we say that we're curing it, but we, we really have not. Like, those old residues and attitudes still remain. Because it was not that long ago that surgeons were allowed to kick nurses in the shin and nurses had to stand up when they walked in the room. It really has not become a team until recently. And so those things do trickle down where people are still treated as less than based on their position or salary or scrub color and nursing schools still teach professionalism through the lens of white sneakers um, ironed scrubs neat hair no funny hair dye no tattoos no piercings like that's silly that has nothing to do with how you treat your patient as a nurse professionalism should be looked at and like
0: tattoos you know Like, like you can have tattoos and be a great nurse and i think i completely agree i think nursing schools are still teaching this Oftentimes wrong. I think professionalism is not having an ironed set of scrubs that are white and hiding your nose piercing. I think professionalism is encouraging the nursing student, you know, with tattoos and a nose piercing to mentor other people because it doesn't matter. Like what you wear, I mean, like, yes, you know, wear clean clothes to work that, like, out of consideration for your coworkers, like but hygiene. like outside of wearing clean scrubs, yeah, like hygiene, like, you know, take Basic a shower before you go to work, but like, <laughs> Other than wearing clean scrubs to work, what matters is like the quality of the character that you show up with, not whether your scrubs are ironed or like if you. Oh, my gosh. Some nursing schools still will like send you home if you wear mismatching socks, which is just so outdated in the way that we're teaching the next generation. I can't can't deal with that. It's wild. So I I can't. All right.
1: I'm going to get off my nursing school soapbox before I start because I'm going to get in trouble. The nursing professors are going to come for me don't I'm gonna Diana find you finally <laughs> uh, but you know how do we go about developing ourselves okay so we talked about professionalism right like what professionals should be what it should not be how do we go about developing ourselves as professionals now like taking this to the next level and it's funny because like there's all these organizations and resources out there for nurses but i didn't really understand them and what they did like okay the american nursing association exists and like You're part of it. Like most people are part of it. But like, do you know they have all these actually great resources and like conferences and like opportunities for continuing education? Like I didn't really look into it. I'm going to be honest. Or um, Sigma Theta Tau. I had like the, I had the opportunity to like join that society when I graduated and I didn't bother because I was like, I'm broke. I don't have money. I don't want to pay these fees. And like, what's it going to give me some purple cord around my neck. But my friend Jackie actually got super involved in Sigma Theta Tau and like had these amazing professional development opportunities that later helped her get into CRE school and she just likes doing that stuff she's just like a clinically excellent person she just goes above and beyond for her patients and to become a better nurse like just for the sake of doing it like doing the right thing and like investing in her career and um you know so she got involved with her local chapter and like like had QI projects on her unit, meaning quality improvement and like went to like some of their conferences. And I mean, like there's so much out there that you could get involved with that. I feel like, you know, the CRNA world, I feel like we, maybe because we're a tighter knit community, it's much more encouraged and it's often included in our, um, like compensation packages, like education time, we're encouraged to go to meetings and we're encouraged to go to conferences. But I wish I had done that more as a nurse. Um, because we always tell people like, Hey, like, how do you get into CRNA school? Like, Oh, you should get involved in your unit. Like, well, how do I do that? Or, oh, get involved in research. How do I do that? Well, getting involved in some local organizations is a great way to develop yourself as a professional and to, like, learn more from nurse mentors and to just come up across
0: different opportunities that you wouldn't have known about. I completely agree. And it's been interesting to see the difference between, you know, my time as a bedside nurse and then now as a graduate student. Looking back, I do wish that I had been even more involved. I think I might have had I not started travel nursing, but COVID kind of changed the scenario, (laughs) what was my little professional development trajectory, I ended up travel nursing earlier than I would have otherwise. But looking back, I can say that every single hour that I spent mentoring, I I feel very personally fulfilled by that. I'm really glad that I took on mentoring roles pretty early on as a nurse. And that's something that has brought like a lot of yes, professional development, but also personal satisfaction. I love seeing my mentees thrive in their new roles, whether I have one of my mentees now just started as an ER nurse and in, in the um, PEDS ER in Seattle, another mentee of mine is now in CRNA school, another and then I have one who's still in nursing school. And that's something that it's good to pour into the next generation. But I'll also selfishly say it's brought a lot of like personal satisfaction to see them learn as. Than thrive. And I am really glad that I did that. Is there anything, Chrissy, that you've done that you're like really happy that you've like invested in professional development wise? You know, it was a cool thing that they forced us to do during my new grad residency. They made us do a
1: research project with our little cohort or maybe it was a, I'm sorry, it was a quality improvement project. And actually it was called our evidence-based practice project. And we had to do evidence-based practice project and implement something on our unit. And then we had to submit our abstract to a um, a conference, the American Association of Critical Nurses. Critical care nurses had a conference where like all these new grad projects were going to be presented. And our project actually one top 100 projects from around the country, and we did a poster presentation. And so my job flew us out to Arizona, and my little new grad nursing cohort went, and we did our poster presentation. And some representatives from the hospital came and then, like took pictures with us and spoke with us. So we met people from all over the country, different nurse leaders, different nurse researchers. I think the top five presentations actually gave a lecture, like publicly, and like presented it like in front of the whole audience. But it was great networking. It was really empowering and really encouraging. And I really wish that I had gotten to go to more like seminars. I Most hospitals do give you guys money for continuing education and I never really tapped into it. I was in 2013, they were paying me 600 bucks a year. I think that's still pretty standard for most places, like, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars a year for each nurse, I would say. I'll be closer to the 500 more. Um, but that like covers conference fees. And if you're a critical care nurse, I definitely encourage you guys to go to NTI, Nursing Trends and what's the I stand for? Interventions, NTI? Nursing Trends International. I'm sure.
0: Nursing Trends, something. It's a great conference, yeah, though. So, use the free money. If they have money for, in your hospital, has set it aside for education, use it. <laughs> use that money and. I think a conference is a great, is a great way to utilize that. There's also educational resources that you can utilize your CEU money for. Um, we will be one of those resources soon. We have finished all of the applications. So we're just waiting to get processed. Come back and circle back for sure to use your education money at Confident Care Academy for pharmacology and pathophysiology lectures. Lectures are great, I mean, conferences are a great place to go. They're a great place to also meet like-minded people and to meet mentors, especially in fields. Like research, especially in grad school. Mentorship (laughs) is so key. So key. Yeah. Chrissy, I'd love to hear your kind of take on mentorship. You're kind of, I, I would consider you my mentor. I mean, you're also my business partner, but it's important to like, find mentors like what's your take on mentor mentorship it is no it, it's so important to find mentors and
1: it's important to find a mentor who's someone who like it, uh, it has a practice that you want to model and you're gonna find natural mentors throughout your life right like i didn't know anyone i didn't have anyone in my family or access to anyone who was a crna or even in healthcare really and so like i feel like i just kind of figured out things with lots of googling and lots of struggling and like you know that's and that's one of the reasons why we formed confident care academy right like to give access and resources to people that don't have mentors like we didn't. But when you're a nurse and you're along your professional journey, you will interact with professors who really care about you and who you connect with. Or maybe it's like your clinical instructor. Maybe it's a nurse on your unit. Like You're going to interact with these people over time and kind of find people who naturally take on that mentorship role for you as you connect. So tap into that. Stay in touch with those people. I had this amazing clinical instructor who invited Sarah and I, my friend Sarah at the time, to her house in South Philly and helped us practice for nursing interviews and my first nursing interview ever I bombed I was terrible I did not have any interview skills even though I've had jobs in the past I didn't really have big interviews for them and like the expectation levels were really low and like I didn't know how to practice for an interview yet and so I'm like all those resources on YouTube just didn't exist at the time it's just was a different era so going to her house and practicing like a mock interview with her for nursing helped me land Every single job I applied for after that, it was like so crazy. We're not applied for, interviewed for, scratch that. I applied to like over a hundred jobs in three different states, but every job I interviewed for after that, I landed. And like tapping into those natural mentors is so huge. And that's another reason why in Confident Care Academy, we structured it as a membership, not just a course, because yes, we want to give you the in-depth pathophysiology and pharmacology, but by having like discussion boards and forums, we also have a community where you all can learn from each other. We moderated ourselves to give you like that, you know, ongoing advice and insight and then we also have the lives once a month where we can like talk and like see each other and have like the chat feature if you don't want to turn your camera on but that is like kind of building that wraparound support for remote mentorship for those who don't have access to it. I think another thing is like if you have graduate school in mind or you're just really focused on growing as a professional like other than just your knowledge base there's something that they talk about it's like an HR thing like a SWOT analysis have you ever heard that term like SWOT? It's um, so basically when you do a SWOT analysis for your own professional development, it's a review of your own strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And so I'll post a link here where you guys can like read an article and watch a video on SWOT analysis and how to do this for yourself. But basically you're doing a very honest self inventory where you write down like all the strengths, all the things you're good at, all your weaknesses, all the things you're not so good at, like opportunities, like things that could help you be better and things that threaten you from like becoming better like things that get in your way that are like outside of you. And then you can kind of look at those things one by one and like create an action plan to make yourself better at work. So maybe your strength is that you're a quick learner, you're great with patients, but like weaknesses are that you have a knowledge deficit or a lack of access to mentors, right? So like, how are you going to address those things? Um, And that's where Competent Care Academy comes in Shameless plug. But (laughs) So in addition to going like to conferences and to taking on QI projects, research projects, getting involved in these different organizations, it's kind of interesting, like how the shift into the CRNA world is so the opposite of nursing i feel like it was just so like just kind of like recommended or tangentially brought up as a nurse but in the crna world things are really different like even starting with your crna school interview what was your like kind of experience as a srna going through this
0: anna because you've done this more recently than me so it is interesting every single crna school interview they asked about leadership and unit involvement and professional development and essentially, some of the professors then said immediately after that that the expectation is that you will be involved in the anesthesia profession. So, how have you prepared as an ICU nurse? to invest in the profession of anesthesia, essentially. Like the expectation is that you're going to, as a CRNA, be involved politically, be involved at the conferences, be involved in continuing education. So if you're an ICU nurse, know that they are going to ask you about leadership, about professional development, about being involved in your career. And that's interesting because like Chrissy said, it's a difference in expectation versus it's presented very much more as an option. I think when you're working bedside versus throughout nurse anesthesia school, it's Presented very much as an expectation. And I think that's great because some programs will even send you to conferences. They'll send you to aa They'll send you to mid-year. They'll send you to your state conference. And I think because it is a small profession, you know, there's 60,000 of us that we do all have to contribute as we move the profession forward. And I've enjoyed it overall. I will say this, looking back, I'm grateful that I did get involved where I could. Other, other than mentoring, I'm glad that I took the opportunity to become ultrasound trained. That's really helped as I've now started as an SRNA with my regional anesthesia training, just familiarity with the probe and knowing where my probe is in space in relation to reading imaging on a screen. That's something that's been super helpful for anesthesia. And I would just encourage anybody who knows that they want to pursue grad school to just seek out those type of learning opportunities. So if let's give you some, ta- some very concrete ways that you can pursue professional development if you're an ICU nurse. I would say reach out to your unit educator and reach out to any of your attendings and ask if they are working on research projects. That's where you're going to be able to get involved in data collection to potentially even get published while you're an ICU nurse. Many times you will be expected to be on a committee that's okay, but I think you can even go beyond that. You can do, like Chrissy said, and go to NTI. You can ask to get ultrasound trained while you're there. You can ask to mentor people. All those are great ways to get really involved and hands-on. Chrissy, do you have anything to say about getting involved after CRNA school? What your experience is like with that? Yeah, so I,
1: we just went to the AANA conference, the American Association of Nurse Anesthesiology, together in Seattle, and that was actually my first in-person CRNA conference, and you know that's we had COVID and all these different things, and I didn't get the opportunity to go as a student, but I was really glad I went. When you're there, you're gonna get up-to-date lectures on like new topics. You're going to have really great networking. You're gonna see poster presentations from your colleagues. You're going to get exposure to new devices and new technologies that are gonna help you in your practice, which is really awesome. Other things you can do that are simple, reading the emails that come out from professional organizations, getting involved in Facebook groups, that way you're staying up to date on the latest research and taking on challenges like precepting students. You should do that, it makes you better. When you're forced to teach, it helps you review information. Other things, Like taking call if you have the opportunity to join a call team, if you don't have responsibility to kids yet, for example, do it for a year. Just get that experience and really become an expert in your field and investing yourself as much as you possibly can.
0: I love that. I think at the end of the day, the only person who's going to invest in you without initiative is you (laughs) and then you can then seek out mentorship and then seek out professional development. And then also you can pass the baton to the people who come after you. I definitely think that mentoring and mentorship is so important. I would encourage you, if you're an ICU nurse, to seek out a new grad and mentor them. (laughs) And both Christy and I have mentees that we take on. We also view Confident Care Academy as a way that we can give back to the community in this podcast, which if you guys are able to subscribe and comment and engage, it helps us keep this podcast free. We want to give back to the community in ways that we think are meaningful. And I know that I would have loved (laughs) all these episodes as an ICU nurse or even as a nursing student. This is one of the ways we try to give back. And also, we enjoy teaching. So definitely check out the Confident Care Academy full-length membership lectures if you want more in-depth pathophysiology and pharmacology. We have all of that over in the Confident Care Academy membership. Chrissy, do you have anything else to add? I don't know. I think you wraps it all up, girl. At the end of the day, it really is about...
1: You know, taking on that mantle of trying to be better for your patients and trying to advance the profession and taking that term professionalism and applying it through that lens rather than, you know, specific behaviors or dress codes and applying it to different opportunities. So like, no, don't get taken advantage of or work for free. But yes, also Doing what is necessary and right to take care of our communities. And that's really what this is all about. We really believe that when we empower our caretakers, we in turn empower and take better care of our communities. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day. That's why we're all here, right? So thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Do us a favor, like and subscribe. It really helps us out a lot so that our content can reach more people and empower more of you. If you are excited about anesthesia, make sure you also check into our last few lectures we have um, a really great lecture on induction of anesthesia that we're rolling out too we're building a skills library coming soon and of course please check out the comedy care academy membership we'll see you there